This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I don't know about you, but that, that whole worship set today was just particularly good. It was just, it was just great. In, in 2020, uh, a very popular uh, Bible app called YouVersion uh, saw an 80% jump in usage. And they said they, they were able to track what was the number one verse globally that was looked up. And it, it actually surprised me. I thought it might be something about casting all your, your cares upon the Lord or don't be anxious for anything. It's related. It's uh, Isaiah 41.10 that says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not afraid or dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Number one verse globally. And in a time of trouble, people are looking for something to help relieve them of fear. We've been doing a series called Can't Stop This. And this morning, I, I want to talk about a subject that I, I certainly won't be exhaustive, but it'll be just, I, I really think will help you on beating back fears. They say, well, you know, Alan, I, I want to get to the place where I never have any fears in my life. Well, I, I think we can get to the place where fear doesn't dominate you. But we live in a world that has fear. We live in a world that's it's just surrounded with fear. And so to say that we're never going to have feelings of fear is, is not accurate. But to say that fear does not have to dominate us or stop us, now that's something we can say. Fear is, is pretty pervasive. In fact, we've become so used to it. It's just a, a part of our lives. You hear people talk about fear, such as the fear of failure. People don't want to start. I didn't want to start this church because I'd actually failed at the first church I tried to start. And so that fear of failure was, was nagging at me. And uh, I remember I told Joy, I said, we're not even going to advertise. We didn't even advertise for a while that we were starting a church. I was just like, well, we're not going to advertise. And Pastor Osteen told me right before I left, he said, Alan, if it doesn't work, you can come back. We won't tell anyone that you're gone. So, well, I appreciate that vote of confidence. <laughs> but the fear of failure is pretty real. And then there's the fear of rejection and the fear of rejection. Uh, you know, I, I used to, to laugh at, at my, especially my youngest son, Michael, because he was gonna, like going to text a girl and, and, and ask her out on a date. I'm like, no, no, you can't do it that way. You've got to do it in person or on the phone. You can't be texting. I said, there's no, what's, what's the risk in that? I said, you can, man up. <laughs> Call her. And um, I don't think he appreciated that too much. And I'm sure when he got to college, he completely ignored my ideas. But, you know, I, I can remember having to make phone calls to ask girls out, my voice cracking, you know. Hello. <laughs> and, and, and really what it was, it, it, it was the fear of rejection. And that's a very, in fact, they said that actually in, in terms of your brain waves, that rejection is, is sends the same brain waves as actually being hit in the stomach, a gut punch. Or the fear of embarrassment. You hear, especially in some Asian cultures, that idea of losing face. People don't want to lose face. And then I think one of the most pervasive fears of all is actually the fear of death. People say, well, I'm afraid of flying. No, you're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of crashing and dying is what, is what you're, you're afraid of. But the fear of death is very, very much real. I was in a, in a Whataburger years ago before we started the church when I was in sales. Between sales calls, I, I stopped in a Whataburger, grabbed something to, 
to drink, and I'm sitting at the table. It's a brand new Whataburger's out on 290. Sitting there, and they had balloons all up around the, the tables celebrating the grand opening. No one in the, in the, in the restaurant, but there was a, a, a table of three people that were right close to me. So we were just sitting there, and all of a sudden, those balloons pop, pop, pop. They go off. Well, I kind of jumped, but the people in the, in, the, in the table right near me, all of them hit the ground. I mean, they, they dove to the floor. And when they got up, they were, they were laughing. And, you know, I'm kind of looking at them like, what's up? And, and, and they're, they're, they're saying, we thought it was a drive-by, a drive-by shooting. And so obviously, I, you know, I, I grew up in some suburbs. There were, there were drive-by eggings, but there were no drive-by shootings. And the, but these folks had come from a, a, a different part of town. And there were drive-by shootings in their neighborhood, and they hit the floor. Fear of death. It's very real. So fears are real. But here's the beautiful thing. God never intended for his children to be dominated or live in fear. In fact, we don't even see fear present until Adam sinned. First time we see fear is when Adam sinned. God said, where are you? Adam he knew where Adam was. He just wanted Adam to fess up. And uh, he, you, you know that. You know God knew exactly where Adam was. Adam, where are you? It's like you when you walk in your room and, you're, and the cookie jar is open and your two-year-old's hiding in the closet. You're like, where are you? You just want them to own up to it. And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. And I hid myself. First time we ever see fear. All throughout the scriptures, when God would, would appear or angels would appear, it was fear not, fear not. The message has always been fear not because God knows what fear can do. And so one of my favorite verses, if you, a good verse to memorize, and this is a good one to memorize and repeat to yourself, is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, if you stop and think about it for a moment, that's, that's fear works against all of those. Fear works against our ability. It works against our ability. Many people have talked about, I studied hard for this test, but it seems like when I got to take the test, they just lock up. You ever heard of that test anxiety? And it's a fear. They just lock up. It, even though they had the ability to do it, the fear, it hindered their ability. Fear hinders uh, your love walk because the opposite of, of love would be selfishness. And so fear hinders the ability. And the whole idea of selfishness is I'm not going to get enough. It's not going to be enough for me. A uh, couple of boys, young fellows, uh, Tyler and, and Ryan, were sitting at the kitchen table watching their mom make pancakes one Saturday morning. And they began to have a big argument about who was going to get the first pancake. And the mother decided to make this a teaching moment. And she stopped and she turned around and she said, now boys, she said, if Jesus were here, Jesus would say, oh no, give my brother the first pancake. I don't have to have the first pancake. Give it to him first. And the boys listened. She thought they were really absorbing it. And Tyler turns to Ryan and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> there's, there's a fear of I'm not going to get enough, and, it, and it's selfishness. And then fear impacts our soundness of mind, our ability to think clearly. A NASA scientist was addressing a group in a leadership seminar, and he asked people, he said, what would you do if you were in a, on a spaceship and uh, the oxygen went out and you knew you had about 10 seconds before you blacked out? And people began to blurt out all these ideas, and he said, no. He said, you think for eight seconds and then move for two. 
what he was talking about, the, the basic is in the middle of a fearful situation, somebody's got to be able to think calmly in the middle of a crisis. Well, if you're in fear, your thinking goes off. You don't think rationally. You see things that are not there. You hear things that are not there. You just don't think rationally. A true story, a lady was sitting outside of a, of a shopping center and the, and the people in the store kept noticing her because she was sitting in the car and it was hours. And the windows were rolled up. She looked very distressed. Finally, one of the employees just walked out and tapped on the glass. He said, ma'am, is there anything wrong? She said, yes. She said, you need to call an ambulance. I've been shot. And so they called an ambulance and paramedics, they came and they knocked on the glass. They said, ma'am, roll down. Can you roll down the window? She said, I can't roll down the window. She said, I, I've been shot in the back of my head. She said, and I'm holding my brains in with both hands. She was petrified about the idea of taking her hands off her head. So they broke the glass and they got in the car. And when they got in the car, they began to laugh because she had actually not been shot in the back of the head, but she had one of those biscuit canisters in the back. You know, the kind that if you hit them, they go, go poof, they pop. And evidently this biscuit canister had gone off in the back of her car and the biscuit flew up and hit her in the back of the head. When she reached back there, she thought she was holding her brains in. It was a drive-by doing. She was just a... But, but fear does that. And I'm so glad that... I, and, and you know, the thing about it is, is it's funny until it happens to you. And when it's the fears that bother us and the fears that nag at us and the fears that, that, that bother us. And that's why I'm calling this battling, battling back fears. Because fear may come, but fear can't stay and fear can't dominate me. Now, we talked about a guy last week who was afraid. His name was Gideon. He had no confidence in God. He didn't have much confidence in himself. And I'm going to fast forward to the end of his story where he, Gideon is now with 300 men God has tasked him with going down and fighting this group of Midianites. But we're going to see how Gideon is able to, to battle back the fears that were stopping him. And here's the beautiful thing is, these stories are here for a purpose. They teach us something. So we can learn from Gideon. We can learn some principles here from Gideon that can help you battle back the fears in your life. Fear doesn't have, I don't care how long it's been a part of your life, it doesn't have to dominate your life. So here's Gideon's story here. It happened on the same night. The Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I've delivered it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And now the Midianites and the Malachites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number to stand by the seashore in multitude. Gideon really did face a, a very difficult situation. He had 300 men and the Lord said, I want you to go down and go against this camp. And there were thousands of them. And so it was a very daunting situation. And God knew that Gideon was afraid and God had an answer. Now here's, here's a beautiful thing. And Joy, Joy pointed this out to me. I thought it was good. God helped Gideon deal with his fears. He didn't get disgusted with Gideon because of it. And that's a good thing to keep in mind. I think sometimes people are afraid. They're like, Lord, I'm, I'm just so afraid. And I've got so afraid. I'm just, I'm this, I'm that. And I'm, I'm such a horrible Christian. Don't, don't put yourself in that category. God can help you. And he helped Gideon. And so when God spoke to Gideon, he said, Gideon, he said, I have delivered them into your hand. I want you to understand when God speaks, he speaks differently. He has a different perspective. God sees the end from the beginning. He called Abraham. He said, Abram, you, I call you Abraham. You're the father of many nations when he didn't have any kids. 
He told Joshua, he said, see, I've given you the city when Jericho was all walled up. Now he's telling Gideon, I've given you the camp when he sees all those people out there. So God sees things we don't see. And he knew that Gideon was going to have to have some different input. So he said, I need you to go down and hear what they're saying. It's pretty rare. That's a rare occasion where God sends you to listen to the enemy. Because usually the enemy is telling you how he's going to defeat you. But we're going to find out that's a little bit different in this case. But then he realized something. God knew this. He knew that if Gideon stayed in fear, it was going to limit his ability. He said, I thought that was interesting. He said, if you're afraid to go down against the camp. In other words, if you're afraid to act on this. He said, I want you to hear what they say. He didn't say if you're having feelings. We, we get so caught up in feelings. He said, it's not the feel. You, you can have all kinds of feelings, but you don't have to yield to them. He said, if you're afraid to act, if you're afraid to go down. So God knew that, he knew that if, if he began to change what he heard, that he could begin to, that his hands, and I like this, his hands would be strengthened to go down against the camp. This is one of my key points here today. Don't ever think that you're going to get to the place where you never have a feeling of fear. The objective is that you get strong enough where fear doesn't have the last word. You get strong enough to overcome it. So he talks to Gideon and says, I need you to go down. I need you to hear what they're saying. So here, here's the rest of the story. When Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. So Gideon's like outside of a tent listening to this. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God had delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. This is, I read that story now, but man, God had to really be in that dream and especially in that interpretation. Because if a, if a biscuit rolls down into a camp and knocks over a tent, you don't go, it's the sword of Gideon. <laughs> so God's all up in that dream. So Gideon hears this. Yeah, this loaf of bread rolled in and the tent collapsed. And someone said, it's the sword of Gideon. And God has delivered Midian into his hand. And for the very first time, the light clicks on with Gideon. And we see Gideon worship God. He'd never worshiped him before. Now we see him worship God. And why is, he, why is he worshiping God? He is worshiping God because he finally, for the first time, believes that God's going to help him and he's going to win. And so now he goes back and he agrees with God for the very first time. For the very first time, we hear Gideon say what God had been saying. Arise, for I have given you the camp. So Gideon goes back and he tells those 300 men, arise, guys. God has given us the victory. We're going we're to take this camp. It's ours. God said this hour, the very first time we hear Gideon finally agreeing with what God said. Boy, that was powerful. He said, well, what happened? Well, that was the story where Gideon and his 300 men surrounded the camp and they had, they had uh, torches and they had pots and they broke the pots and the torches and they, they shouted the sword of the Lord and Gideon and scared the Amalekites and the Lord moved among them and the Amalekites and the Midianites fell on one another and killed. They're still doing that today. They just fall on one another and kill one another. And, and then Gideon chases them for a Forever, I mean, you could see some real, he gets some real, you talk about can't stop this, that brother gets some real Bible swagger. He's like, I'm going after him with my 300 men. And he goes after and defeats the rest of the army. It's an amazing story. But Gideon had finally got to the place where he pushed past his fears. So what about you? 
How do, we, how do we beat the fear back in our lives? What can we begin to do to say, you know what? I, I, I'm tired of this. I don't want to live in this. Here's, here's the first thing. Don't deny fear. Just deny it's right to dominate you. You're not going to deny it. You, and, and really, it would be good to examine yourself and go, what is, what is setting this off in me? You know, sometimes something can happen and, and someone can go, you can just react and you're getting this unusual reaction. And you're going, what's, what's the trigger here? What's, what's causing this? What's setting this off? And so it's a good thing just to, to, to pray and say, Lord, why is it I react this certain way? You know, I, I've got a friend that uh, they pastor a church and I was talking with them and one of them was talking about how that they were abandoned as a child and left alone and left to do a lot of things by themselves. And every time someone leaves the church, it triggers something in them. And it triggers that, that sense of abandonment and that, that sense of I'm, I'm being left again. And so every time someone would leave and they pastor a church and so people come and go all the time and that, that really bothers them. And we were talking about going back, what is, what is the trigger on that? I said, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to face my fears because I, I just feel like if I face them, if I, if I acknowledge them, they're going to get worse in my life. No, it doesn't have to be that way because we don't face our fears alone. You know, one of the beautiful things we have is I appreciate all that psychologists do. I appreciate all that sports psychologists do. They, they help people with, deal with fear. But we also have a spiritual angle that we can work through fear. And the Bible said that our weapons are not carnal. They're mighty in God. And we can pull down those fear strongholds that have dominated us because we're not facing our fears by ourselves. We have help. Psalms 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Guys, listen, it's good just to go to the Lord and just be honest and say, Lord, I, th this, this fear of rejection has stopped me from, from ever even having a good relationship. Lord, this fear of failure has stopped me from ever getting involved in so many things I want to get involved in. Lord, can you, can you help me with this? If you'll seek the Lord, he will help you and help you get past all of your fears. Fear does not have to dominate us. Aren't you glad that God never designed for his children? Are you blessed when your kids are afraid? When you, if you're a parent or a grandparent and your kids run in and they're like, I'm so scared, I'm, I'm so scared, you don't go, well... That's a good thing. You don't say that. You're like, oh, no, darling. I'm right, I'm right here with you. You don't have to be afraid. We have that same heavenly father. I remember my, Matthew one time, he had to go out and I said, Matthew, he was just a little guy, he was about three or four. I said, go out and take this out to the garage. He said, it's dark in the garage. I said, don't worry about it. He said, no, no, it's, it's dark. And he stood in the garage and he was scared. And he was scared to go out. And I remember just taking his hand. But when he took my hand, he was able to march right out into a dark garage because he knew he wasn't afraid. Listen, you are not alone. You have help. God will help you. He will not abandon you. If he helped Gideon, he will help you. He is not disgusted with you and he can help you move past your fears. Here's another one that we want to do. If we're going to battle the fears back in our lives, we have to watch what we're inputting into us. Watch, watch, watch where your input is. Two areas in particular, media and people. Media and people. I hear people say, well, you know, my child is having problems with nightmares. 
Okay, do they, do they watch anything? Well, they, well they, they like horror movies. Time, time, that, that, let's, let's, let, let's, that, that's going to, that's, that's going to bother them. But you know, it, it, all other kinds of, I'm convinced part of, the, part of the problem with the pandemic was not just the pandemic, it was all the media stuff we had in the pandemic that made it even worse. And every time you cut off, no one had good news like, hey guys, we're going to come out of this. It, everyone was like, it's getting worse. More people are dying and you're next. I thought, that's not helping me. Matthew was uh, graduated from high school early, went down to um, Bolivia, was doing mission work in Bolivia. High school grad, doing, 18 years old, doing mission work down in Bolivia. And he called us one day, he said, hey, we're going to be going down uh, the, to, the, to the jungle, leaving. They were up in El Alto, which is about 12,000 feet. And they were going down to the, to the jungle at about 3,000 feet. That's a, quite a drop. He said, we're going down this road. Now, the name of the road in Spanish sounds very romantic. El Camino de la Muerte. <laughs> now, I heard, I, I said that in the first service, and Tony Jazzo and some of our band were making fun of my Spanish accent. <laughs> Not smart on their part. Because fire works the same in any area, right? But we're keeping them. They said... Alan, you have a Spanish accent with an accent. I said, well, that's okay. El Camino de la Muerte sounds romantic. It means the road of death. Every parent loves to hear that. We're, we're going where? You're going down the road of death. The road of death in Bolivia used to be named the most dangerous road in the world. The road of death in Bolivia, they said in the 90s, killed an average of 200 to 300 travelers every year. It's got 2,000 foot drops. It's got fog. It's got landslides. It's a narrow lane that sometimes the vehicles would stop and one of them would have to back up and people are dying. They didn't call it the road of death for nothing. It was the road of death. And so I was telling this to, to someone in church and they decided to send me a video clip of El Camino de Muerte. And I started watching it and I'm like, whoa, 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 what am I doing? I finally just cut it off. He said, well, Alan, you need to be informed. I do not need to be that informed. I know what's going to happen, but I, what I realized is what it was doing was it was working fear in me. And if you're dealing with negative situations, you've got to watch what kind of input is coming your way. And you don't, you, man, just, if it's causing fear, cut it off. And sometimes that involves people. When Joy was sick, she was, man, we were having to trust God and believe God for her healing. She had a very serious condition, acute chronic pancreatitis, and a Christian lady who was a friend kept sending joy articles about people who died with what she had. And I finally said, you may not come in my house anymore. So, well, Alan, that's not Christian. No, I'll tell you what's not Christian. What's not Christian is trying to undermine somebody's faith with your fear, and that did not help my wife at all. So thank God she didn't read the articles. The friends stopped coming, and God's healed her, and she's well today. But when you're dealing with that, you've got to watch the input. What's coming in your way? Is it feeding your fear, or is it feeding your faith? I said, well, what do I need? I said, well, we all need godly influences. We need people who can strengthen our hands in God. That's just people who simply say, hey, God can help you. You can come through this. We all need folks like that. Not people that look at you and go, huh, I don't know about you, but whew, you're going down. 
you're not going to make it. You don't need those kind. You don't need those voices. You need someone to look at you and go, God's bigger than this and you can come through this. So we need those voices. And here's the best input at all is God's word and what he whispers to your heart. What he, over the years, man, things that God has just whispered to our heart has helped us so much and scripture will arise or something will come and, and boy, that has given us something else to hang on to. And when you're dealing with a fearful situation, we, can get, we need different input. Sometimes you can just loop things in your mind and you're going over and over and over. And it didn't have to be that way. So what can we do? Well, one of the best things we can do is we can agree with God. Don't agree with the fear. So I'm not agreeing with the fear. If you're talking it, you're agreeing with it. Anything you talk about gets bigger. Matt had been diagnosed with a condition when he was young and we got in the car one time and talked about it. And joined. The more we talked about it, the worse it got. And finally, we had to stop doing that and say, well, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going we're to talk about something else because the more you talk about it, talk, I'm so afraid of this. I'm so afraid of that. And listen, it's very, very real. People deal with stuff. They deal with sickness. They deal with, with disease. They deal with negative situations. They deal with things, and, and all of us have, have dealt with it, but we don't have to talk about it. We're going to talk about something. Let's agree with God on what he said, because when you agree with him, now you're bringing a different input in. Now you're bringing a higher perspective. You're bringing a spiritual perspective. Don't talk about how afraid you are. Talk about that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you are not going to get yielded to this fear. Talk about greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Talk about how, hey, hey, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Talk about I'm the head, not the tail. I am above and not beneath and everything I set my hand to do is blessed. Talk about what God says about you, not what fear says to you. And that gives you another angle to come at it. You say, well, okay, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it. Listen, it's, it's bigger than just you. Because when you come through and you battle back fear in your life, it puts you in a position to be a blessing to other people. It puts you in a position to encourage other people. Guys, you always know the blessings of God are not just to stop with us. They're to flow out of us. God's helped you. You can help somebody else. I heard a story. I read a story about a little boy who would not go off a, a diving board. And I thought your story was so good, I wanted to, to show it to you. So here it is. Here's a clip. Now the story of a little boy in search of courage and the wise old man who helped him find it. Steve Hartman is on the road. It is the tallest 20 inches in sports. The distance between a diving board and the surface of the water can feel like half a body length, especially when it's half your body length. Which is why all summer long, four-year-old Dylan Stick has been cheating the system, gradually lowering himself into the water like a fragile egg. He had no interest in it. His mom. <laughs> Ever. Marla. You don't want to pressure him. Right, yeah. right. We were just saying, hey, you want to give it a shot? You want to give it a try? And He was no way. Right. He wasn't interested. <laughs> Enter 95-year-old Daniel Biss. He drafted me. Daniel was in the Air Force during World War II in Korea. Radio operator. He knows a thing or two about fear and bravery. So when he saw this neighborhood kid at a family pool party in Canton, Ohio, and heard everyone trying to coax him off the board. He just wouldn't go. <laughs> he knew exactly what Dylan needed. Just needed some convincing, I guess. I guess he did. I was going to try anyway. Are you videoing? 
So Daniel borrowed a swimsuit and with cane in hand, stepped up to set the example. This is a miracle, one kid yelled, as if Lazarus himself had risen up to the springboard. And it did feel that way. The great-grandfather hadn't been on a diving board in 50 years. And yet there he stood, ready and willing to teach a lesson in courage, which almost turned into a lesson in first aid. Everyone kind of like held their breath and got real nervous, like, oh, was this a bad idea? Oh, I was, I was up there that far, I figured I may as well go through with it. <laughs> And so, at the age of 95, he dove for Dylan. Jump out! Jump out! And he dives! Not the prettiest dive I've ever no, seen. No, no, no. I could have done better. Actually, he really couldn't have done better. Because shortly after Daniel took his last jump off a diving board, Dylan took his first. Yeah! It was really neat that that inspired him to do it. It was a neat moment. <laughs> this all happened last month, and today Dylan jumps no problem. Hopefully, his courage will now inspire you with whatever leap you need to make. Steve Hartman, On the Road. Man, when he tottered on that board, I'm like, ooh. You know, there are so many people who, who remind me of that little boy in life. Man, they're, they're, they're crawling down life. They're so scared. And I don't know if you realize how much your faith and your courage could inspire them. How your faith and courage can inspire a family or kids or grandkids or neighbors or people, co-workers. Because people are, are, are so afraid now. They're looking for anyone who can stand up and go, I got an answer. We don't have to be afraid. God can help us. Would you bow your head just for a moment? The greatest example we have is the example of Jesus and what he did for us. Of how he was the one who went before us on the diving board, except he went to the cross. And because he did, we don't have to. Because he died for us, we don't have to, to die. We have his life. What a great example of courage and what a benefit he left us. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're not going to walk an aisle or stand up, but we're going to say a prayer, and it's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that will help you. It's a prayer that will change not just your life, it will change your eternity. Or if you're here and you say, you know, Alan, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. I, 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 thought, I, I thought I might have a relationship, but Lord, I'm not sure. Well, this still is a great prayer for you. Or if you've gotten away from God, you realize, man, I'm I've gotten so far away from God and I don't want to be that way anymore. We're going to say a prayer, but I'm going to ask you to do one thing. It takes some courage. But if that's you that I'm talking to today, if you're here and you're saying, Alan, I, man, I want to be sure of where I stand or I want to come back to the Lord, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, I want you to pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Wonderful. Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. We don't just pray for you. We want to pray with you. So we're going to have you, we'll have you join in. Maybe you didn't lift your hand and you really wanted to. You can still join this prayer. And we're going to pray it with you out loud as a church family. If you're watching online and you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly to yourself and say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. 
I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who have stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, for those who have come back home, we rejoice with them. And we know things are changing for them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that for whatever fears, the fear of being left, the fear of disease, the fear of dying, whatever fears have plagued us and dogged our tracks, thank you that by your grace and with your help and with your word and spirit, we can beat it back and it does not have to dominate our lives. I thank you for that freedom that we have in Christ where we truly are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thank you for that grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.